discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for this opportunity we have to be together like this. Speak to us in your own special way. Bring changes into our hearts in a very special way. Cause us to experience the manifold wisdom of God in our lives. We receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus this morning. Explain your words to us, Lord. Grant us great understanding. Let the eyes of understanding be enlightened, be flooded with light. Let us know what is the hope of your calling in a very special way. Fill us with the knowledge of, of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding this morning. Receive your word with meekness, with gladness, with great joy, knowing that it is a means of upwards and forwards progress in our lives. Thank you for health, strength, for healings that are coming, even as your word proceeds forth. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give Jesus one last shout before you take your seat? Bless you. May kindly take your seats in heavenly places where you belong. Hallelujah. Well, this morning we are going to have questions and answers. Yeah. I know I started sharing on the, the realities of um, the power of the cross. Yeah, but I feel like I should just do question and answers today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And um, I'm sure the Lord, you know, will use that as an opportunity to answer some questions in your Some of us are new. So I believe that God wants to use this as an opportunity to enlighten some of us concerning various things. It's called Acts the Atta. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is the author of the word. And as you ask, he will answer you to the glory of God. Hallelujah. So I'm giving you that opportunity. If you have any question, you can ask. Yes. There's a hand up in front here. There's another hand over there. So it's more like a family meeting. So relax. Tell you about relax. You will learn a lot. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity. Um, my question is from Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Yes, the Passion Translation. Just read what is Okay. Yes, please. It says, well, we, have, we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done, and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. So my question is, how do you boast in what Christ has done? I know that boasting in your own strength, like... 
Omidye, I'm a child of God. Like, you can boast that I go to church and I'm doing well in school. Like, anyone gets. Like, do you know? It's like you're boasting your own strength. So how do you boast in the works of Christ? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In, in these verses, it's actually not in reference to uh, you have good grace or anything like that. No. It has everything to do with the law. He was comparing the law. Let's read King James so that you can understand it even well. He's comparing the law to the righteousness that comes by the law and the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ Jesus. So if you read from verse 1, you, you see it some more from there. It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, it's not grievous, but to you, it is safe. Repetition is good. Tell me about repetition is good. Repetition is good. And it says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of their concession. Now, Paul is showing you which groups to beware of. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of what? Dogs. You think it's referring to a dog in someone's house. No, that's not what he's referring to. You see, uh, if you read in the Old Testament, there was a mixed multitude that went up with uh, with Israel. Okay, for instance, Jesus said that there was this woman who came to Jesus to ask for healing for her child. I don't know if you remember the Syrophoenician woman. Yes, and she was asking Jesus for healing for the daughter, and Jesus said. How can I give the bread of the children to dogs? Okay, Matthew fifteen twenty six. But he answered and said, "There is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs." The woman was from a place called Syrophoenicia. Okay, go up. Maybe you see it. She was a Gentile. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Okay. But Jesus was not answering her to start with. You know, his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after her. She's still talking. Next verse. But he answered and said, I'm not sent, but unto the lordship of the house of Israel. So Jesus, I'm sent to all Israel, not people who are outside of Israel. Okay, next verse. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. He was referring to the woman as a dog. That's how it was a term that was used by the Jews in reference to the Gentiles, those who had no covenants with God. Are you getting it? Uh huh. So, um, well, I, there's several, there are several things to say about these verses, but at least you understand what dogs are. So when Paul says, beware of dogs, what is he saying? Beware of the Gentiles and the things they come with. Okay? Beware of the Gentiles and the things they come with. The Gentiles were mostly idolaters. They were most, mostly worshippers of idols. Okay? And uh, the greatest error or the greatest sin in the Old Testament was idolatry. Not fornication or adultery. Idolatry. Say idolatry. Idolatry. When someone replaces God with another God, Israel was warned against it. And every time Israel had, you know, what makes themselves the Gentiles, they were led into idolatry. For instance, King Solomon was led into idolatry because he married strange women. The strange women there is not that the women were strange. He married women who were outside of Israel. He married an Egyptian princess. He married a Philistine princess. He married all kinds of princesses who led him away from God. 
And that's what God didn't want. Okay? So when Paul says, beware of dogs, he's talking about beware of the Gentiles and what they come with, which is idolatry. You can find some in Galatians as well. Okay? Let, let me read it to you in Galatians. I'm trying to explain what Paul was talking about in verse 3. That's why I'm talking plenty like that. Galatians chapter 4. I'm reading from verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, or Father, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How be it then, when you, you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Have you seen it? The Galatians were, gent- they were Gentiles. They were a church in a Gentile world. Okay? Uh, Paul says that when you did not know God, how be, when you did not know God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Next verse. That he says, but now after that you are known, you, you have known God, or rather are known of God. How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements? Why don't you desire again to be in bondage? You know, they were trying to go back to the things they had, using something to represent God. Do you see? Uh, next verse. Then he says, you observe days, and you observe months, and you, ob- you observe times, and you observe years. Like, oh, there's this particular day, it's a holy day. We don't, a holy day, not a holiday, a holy day that we don't do some things or whatever. But Paul, was, Paul was not happy with them at all. Next verse. He said, I'm afraid of you. Let's have bestowed upon you labor in vain. So he says, I'm, I'm surprised that you are trying to get into idolatry. The Jews who became Christians were trying to bring in Judaism into Christianity. And the Gentiles who also got born again were trying to bring in idolatry into Christianity. And Paul was not going to have any of that. So he was fighting seriously to prevent that from happening. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So it's the same thing he's addressing in Philippians. So in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, he says that, go back please, verse 2. We're reading verse 2, remember? Beware of dogs. He's showing different categories of people to beware of as a child of God. Beware of dogs. Number one is dogs. That's Gentiles. And the problem of Gentiles is idolatry. Okay? Then he says, beware of evil workers. Which includes Jew and Gentile, anyone who is in the world who is not doing what God wants him or her to do. Then it says, beware of the concession. The word concession is actually circumcision. Beware of those who are into circumcision. NLT. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. So this is, the, this is what he's addressing. I hope you get it. Yeah. Uh, beware of the circumcision or the concession, those who are into, you have to be circumcised. You have to, and circumcision means, if you are circumcised, what it means is that you have to keep the law. I'm, I know all the guys here are circumcised. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we are circumcised for health reasons. But what made you a part of Israel or made you a Jew, the sign that God gave to Abraham to seal the covenant that he had with Abraham was the circumcision. You see, so the circumcision was a sign that you were a Jew and you had to keep the law. So Paul is saying that make sure you don't get involved with these guys. Beware of those who who are those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Now, let me show you a verse that talks about um, what circumcision is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
If you are circumcised, it says you must keep the whole law. Galatians chapter 5, verse 3. Let, let's read from verse 2. It's even nicer from verse 2. Behold, I say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you what? Nothing. But circumcision makes Jesus and his work profit you nothing. It's like you are, you believe in being qualified before God through works, through the law, keeping the law, rather than being accepted before God through faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'm making sense. Please, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so Paul says, Behold, I, I pause on you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Look at the next verse. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he's a debtor to do the whole law. Anyone who is circumcised or believes in the fact that you need to be circumcised in order to be saved must do the whole law. And Christ will profit you nothing. All the benefits that comes as a result of believing in Jesus Christ, which is primarily righteousness, being accepted before God without any form of guilt or condemnation or anything like that. I don't know if I'm making sense. The law says you must do, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit uh, adultery, thou shalt not worship any other God apart from me, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou, if you do all that thou shalt not, then you are accepted before God. So you must do. The law says do. If you don't do, you will not be accepted. And if you fail in one, if you fail in one of the instructions, you can keep nine and fail one. If you fail in one, that's it. And mind, it was not only the Ten Commandments. It was 610. There were oral laws. There were ceremonial laws. There were moral laws. There were all kinds of laws. So you needed to keep all the 610 in order to be accepted before God. The law was not given for anybody to be able to, to be accepted before God. You couldn't. Nobody could do the law in order to be accepted. You can't. You can't. Only one man could. His name is Jesus Christ. So Jesus came to fulfill the law and set it aside so that you can believe in him and be accepted. It's, it's simple. It's either you are doing all these things in order to be accepted before God or you believe in Jesus Christ and accepted before God. I don't know which one you like. I don't know if you get it. So Paul was saying, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. So let's go back to that place. He says, for we worship by the Spirit of God. This is what, NLT. For we worship by the Spirit of God. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. He says, those of us who get to God through the Holy Spirit are the ones who are truly circumcised. Okay? And, and there's a verse for this. Romans chapter 2. Um, last verse of Romans chapter 2. He's not a Jew, who is, which is one outwardly. Uh, circumcision is not outward. 29 says, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. You see, what made someone a Jew was circumcision. Paul is now saying that through the power of the Spirit, that he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. Jew being a Jew has to do with in, being a Jew inwardly, not outwardly. And circumcision is, is that of the heart. So there's something called heart circumcision, which Jesus does for you when you get born again. Are you getting it? Let me show you a verse concerning that. Can I show you a verse concerning that? Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, in Christ, 
You see, in Christ, maybe you don't know he's talking about Christ, so go back. So we see that he's talking about Jesus Christ. And you are complete in him. He's still talking, he's talking about Jesus. Go, go back to nine. For in him, he's still, you see, it's him whom, him, you are. So you may be wondering, is this, beware less any man spoil you. This is verse eight. Beware less any man spoil you through philosophy and being deceived that after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Then he starts, so he's talking about Christ. For in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the God that bodily. And you are complete in Christ, which is the head of all principality and power. Verse 11. In Christ also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So there's something called the circumcision of Christ, which is inward. This is of the heart. And Paul says, if you have that circumcision, you are accepted before God. And the way to have that circumcision is to believe in Jesus Christ. So back to Romans, Romans chapter 2, verse 29. It says, But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not of the le- in the letter, or not in the in physical things, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Are you seeing it? Yeah. So back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. Okay, and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in, so we, we ask, we, our acceptance is based on what Jesus has done. Our acceptance before God is based on what Jesus has done, not based on what we do physically. So Paul is saying, my acceptance before God has nothing to do with my works. The Jews had to do things in order to be accepted before God. Paul is saying, listen, and their confidence is in the fact that they have fasted during the week. They have prayed during the week. They have gone to the synagogue during the week. I don't know if you remember that, that um, guy who, you know, there was this story that Jesus told of two men who came to come and pray in the temple. One student smote his chest and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm not good enough to stand before you. Then a Pharisee came to stand. The Pharisees were the highest sect of the Jewish Jewish system. They were the ones who kept the law. They kept it to the letter. Do you get it? He came and came to stand by. Okay, two men went up into the temple. This is Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one, a Pharisee, and the other, a publican. A publican is a sinner. Okay? Uh, publicans are tax collectors mainly. And the tax collectors were the highest sinners in their day because they were into cheating, robbing, doing all kinds of things. NLT. Ah, NLT. Let's, let's see the NLT. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. There was a tax collector who was even despised as well. <laughs> let's continue reading the, in the NLT. Next verse. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. I don't cheat. I don't sin. I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. So the other guy was standing by and he said, I'm not like this guy. This is what a lot of Christians are doing now. Oh, haven't you noticed? We are the ones who decide who is qualified to be close to God and who is not qualified to be close to God. Because all our life is based on works. But God does not accept you based on works. Wow. For by the law, there shall no flesh be justified in sight. For by the law, that's Romans chapter, chapter uh, 3, verse 20. NLT is fine. It says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. No one. 
Why? The law simply shows us how sinful we are. That's the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to reveal sin. So the more you try to keep it, the more sinful you become. Am I preaching or not preaching to you? Uh-huh. So the, the, the Pharisees, the Jews, those, those people were involved in trying, they, were, they could have confidence in their flesh. They boasted in their flesh what they could do. I, I do this. Like that, that guy who was talking in Luke. Luke 18, right? Go back to that guy. Let's see what he said again. Yes, we'll have to read the next verse. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I, I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat. He thinks that he's accepted before God because he doesn't cheat. If a sinner does good things, does that make him right before God? If someone, if an armed robber eh, goes out there, steals, kills 75 people, he kills 75 people in his life, okay, and then he does good things, he gives to the poor, he gives tithe, he gives first fruits, <laughs> and all of those things. If he does good things, is he, as, is he, is he right? Is he accepted before God? Is he accepted before God? Why is he not accepted before God? Because his nature is not correct. He's a bad guy. Doing good things does not change him. Do you believe in that? Do you agree with that? What if someone is is born again, is a good person, and all of that, okay, and does something bad? Does that make him a bad person? Does that make him a bad person? Go and think about what I'm saying. Tony, but go and think about what the pastor is saying. A lot of Christians think that when they do something bad, it changes them. You are now, you have lost your righteousness. You have lost your stand with God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Your righteousness is forever. Jesus said that the ones who believe in him, he gives them eternal life and they shall never perish. It's forever. <laughs> ah, you. You need to be late. Be there. You don't I'm saying all like the task collector. Next verse, verse, verse 2. I fast twice a week. I tell you, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth. I give all my tithe. I give a tenth of all my income. So this guy was trying to be accepted before God because he feels that he gives tithe. He fasts. He prays. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't what? It doesn't miss meetings. It's, that's not what qualifies you before God. Next verse. <laughs> but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Like the guy, he said, I didn't want to get close. Like, hey, I'm a very bad person. No? Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Look at the next verse. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified or made right with God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It is humility to accept what Jesus has done, and not to use what you, your works, like, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that, so I should be accepted. Who told you? No, 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 no. You cannot qualify. The standards of, standards of God are so, is so high that no human being can qualify. That is why God sent Jesus Christ to come and fulfill all the standards. And make his qualification our qualification. So we are accepted before God because Jesus is accepted before God. So Paul was saying, I have, we, we don't believe, we don't, we don't belong to that, that group of people who feel their works 
who are confident in their way. I fast twice. I do this. I do that. I do that. Then they'll show you how much, how much they have prayed. I prayed. Have you prayed for 32 hours before? <laughs> ah, did you? Let's give the tune for the prayer. Abba, Abba, Abba. And they feel that that is what it's wild, though. Listen, it's very serious, though. I was in university some years ago. Yes, I went to first year 20 years ago. That was when I went to first year. And when I went to first year, I noticed something on campus. I went to KNUSC. I noticed something on campus that I had to, it made me study about. Because I noticed that the prayer guys, the guys who were were into praying seriously, their voice was different. I tell you, their voice was what? (laughs) It's wild. You know, but they were not doing well. They were not, I don't know if you noticed it too. They were not doing well academically. They were not doing well in a lot of socially and all of that. Even they couldn't hold their relationship like it's a problem. It was like they were too, so so spiritual, they were not physically useful anymore. You get it? And I was wondering what was going on. You know, but one of the things you will notice is that some of these guys, not all of them, some of these guys, felt that that is what made them qualify before God. And they believed in their prayer more than they believed in what Jesus has done. You can believe in prayer more than you believe in what Jesus has done. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It is not your prayer that qualifies you before God. Even though you must pray, it is not your prayer that prevents Satan from making a mess of you. It's your confidence in what Jesus has done on the cross of Christ. The fact that he beat the, the devil on your behalf. The fact that you are seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, far above all principality and power and dominion and thrones. And that, your confidence in that, okay, is what is most important, not your, 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 your prayer. Am I saying you shouldn't pray? Emphatically not. If you don't pray, you will not have... Prayer is for the purpose of having light concerning what Christ has done. So we are praying to have light. Okay? We are reading the Bible to have light. You need to read the Bible. You need to pray. Listen, Paul, Paul prays for the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... Paul is praying for this group. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of God, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of Jesus, what Jesus has done. Yeah. So prayer is for the purpose of having revelation concerning what Jesus has done. So that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, flooded with light. You need light concerning what Jesus has done. And prayer is a major means. If you like, don't pray for an hour. You'll be surprised that you will not have certain light. And your, the quality of life will not go forward. But the light is not what manufactured the blessing. The blessing was already there. The light through prayer is what made you know yeah. and made you confident concerning it so that you can walk in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it is not prayer in itself that makes a difference. It's knowledge concerning what Jesus has done that makes a difference. Okay. We pray, we fast, we do all of those things so that we can have light concerning the word of God. Without fasting, you will not have light breaking forth to you. Let me show it to you. Um, Isaiah chapter 58. Verse 6. He says, it's not this the fact that I have chosen to lose the bands of wickedness. He says, when you are fasting, lose the bands of wickedness. You can fast to lose bands of wickedness. Some wickedness that is going on in your family, your fasting can lose it. Oh yes. If you like, don't fast. You will see. Some bands of wickedness will be flowing around you. Yes. Then he says, to undo the heavy burdens. Eh? And to let the oppressed go free. If someone has offended you, as you are fasting, let the person go free. 
Hmm? Let the person what? You can fast, you die. If you don't forgive, you'll be surprised. And that you break every yoke. There are some things that may be happening in your family, in your world, that your fasting and prayer can handle. It gives you focus to be able to handle. Next verse. Then it says, is, is it not to do thy bread to the hungry? He's telling to walk in love. As you're fasting, learn to walk in love. And give bread to the hungry. And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Bring people to your house. Feed people. Use the money that you are keeping to help people. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Then it says, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. He's talking about doing good things during your fast. And that thou hidest not thyself from thy own flesh. Don't hide yourself from your family members. Don't have family, family problems. You are not talking to this person. You are not talking to this person. Says, Don't hide your, yourself from your own flesh. You understand? Forgive. Forgive everyone. Forgive your family members. Flow with them. Be happy. Hmm. Next verse. Verse 8. It says, Then, fasting. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Fasting allows your light. What is light? Thy word is what? Is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. The entrance of thy word giveth what? Light. So light, the word of God is light. It says your light. Then shall your light break forth. You will have revelation. So fasting aims us to get revelation. We're fasting. Maybe you didn't do it. It was for the purpose of you getting revelation of God's word. Don't worry. If you didn't fast, up to you. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thine health. Your health shall spring forth speedily. Fasting helps your health to spring forth speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. You understand righteousness better. And you get to live out the righteousness of God as you are fasting. He says, um, thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rare reward. Have you seen it? Maybe a lighter version will help. NLT. Let's read NLT so we understand. Real reward. Won't you ask Then your salvation will come like the dawn. And your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. That's what it means. Your real reward. That's what it means. The glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. So fasting is very important. I'm not, so I've never, I'm not saying that you shouldn't fast and you shouldn't pray. But the fasting and prayer is not to... to do you understand? You can't boast in it. I've fasted for 75 days. So we should, we should accept you. So it's like you are more qualified than us. No, you are not more, my friend. My friend, stop that. That fasting was for something else. It's not to be qualified more than us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Huh. So we don't boast in it. And that's what Paul was saying. We are, we are there of the circumcision, which is of the, of the heart. That's back to Philippians chapter 3, King James. You read, you read a uh, passion, right? So if you can show us a passion translation, so we can understand it. Am I helping you? Oh, yes. But we have already experienced heart circumcision. You, now you understand that, right? And we worship God in, in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit. Not by our works, but by the agency of the Spirit. Not in laws and religious duties. Are you seeing it? Hmm. Not in what? Laws and religious duties. You feel that because you are an usher and you have been cleaning the chairs, you are more accepted than somebody else. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That's pride right there. Why are you an usher? You are an usher because you love Jesus. I thought you said you love Jesus. And you want to make sure his house is clean. Yes, there are blessings involved in serving in the house of God. There are ble- Jesus said, there's no one who has left father or mother or child or sister or whatever for my sake and for the gospel. Who shall not have this 100 
fold. Now in this time, Mark chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. There are blessings with it. If you like, you can choose also not to do anything in the house of God. There's also a choice. Yeah. Huh. There are cost blessings. There are blessings that are cost. Okay? Mm-hmm. And there are blessings that are related to serving, serving God. You can't, you can't run away from that fact. It's all over in the scriptures. We can't change it. Peter said to Jesus, that's verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. We have left all and have, what are we going to get for following? What are we going to get for doing what you want us to do? Is there any reward in doing what God says to do? There are things that I, that God, uh, there are God's things. Do you have things? Ask me, do you have things? What do your neighbor say? What are some of the things you have? You have a bathroom that you don't want to clean, isn't it? <laughs> oh? That's something you have. You have a bathroom you have to clean. You have maybe a bicycle you need to clean. Or a car you need to clean. What else do you have? You have a beloved you need to maintain. Oh? Maintenance costs. It's very high. You, you have a... You have a, a... What? You have a business you need to take care of. Isn't it? What else do you have? You have a family you need to take care of. You have some investments you need to make sure I, I, are together so our family can be taken care of. You have an education to take care of. So everybody has things. Guess what? Tell me about what? 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 Ask me what? Jesus also has things. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 20 and 21. Okay, let's read from verse 19. We can understand it from verse 19. It says, But I trust in the Lord to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for us. Paul is writing to the Philippians. He says, I don't have anybody who is like-minded who will naturally care for us. Apart from Timothy. Timothy is like-minded like me and will care for your state. He wants, he cares about you. Next verse. For all seek their own. Everybody is seeking their all the guys who are with me, they are all seeking their own things. They are seeking their business. They are seeking their what else? Their family life. They are seeking their education. They are cleaning their bathrooms. They are cleaning. They are doing jobs. They are having, making sure they are, they are secured with their jobs. And they are doing all those things. For all seek their own. Not the things which are Jesus Christ's. So Jesus has things that he wants taken care of. And Jesus says, if you take care of my things, if you serve me, I have some special packages for you. Is it a bad thing if someone does something for you and you decide to do something for the person? It's not a bad thing. I mean, if the one who is closest to me and the one who serves me is the one I do some things for, if I have $5,000 to dash to somebody, I'll look for the one who is closest to me. Or the one I've been with, the one who has been helping me get things done. Charlie, receive the $5,000. That is what happened. Amen. That is... <laughs> That is what happens when you are serving God. When you are serving God, you just get some bonuses that, I mean, God just, okay, I'm ready to give some people some bonuses. Just, I say, I'll give you a bonus. Yeah, Mark, that's what is written in Mark 10, verse 29. Look at it. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house. This has nothing to do with Christ's finished work on the cross. This one is different. This, are, this is another group of people altogether. There's no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife. Because whatever you do in the house of God, you have to leave something. Oh, yes. You leave something else in order to do what God wants you to do in his house. Oh? Oh, yes. Yes. Hey. Yes. 
or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake. It is for my, they left it for my sake and for the gospel's sake. For the gospel, to make sure the gospel is working, to make sure things concerning Jesus Christ are moving forward. He says, listen, this is what I'll do. But he shall receive an hundredfold. All, all that he left, he'll get hundredfold of that. Now in this time, not in the future, now in this time. Now in where? In this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions because those who didn't do what you were doing and were criticizing you for serving God will not understand how come you now have a hundredfold of what they have been struggling for. Christians included. You understand? So you have some persecutions. And in the world to come, in the, in the life to come, he says you have eternal life. There are rewards that are involved in serving God that you don't get in any other place. Yes. You don't get it anywhere else. Please, are you, are you understanding? Yeah. Uh-huh. So never, never, your, it's, it's not your ushering, your cleaning, your pastoral work. It's not what secures the blessings that are in, in you in Christ. You, it doesn't. But they are rewards related to your service to God. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. First Corinthians 15, 58. Let's read NLT. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. You see, yes. all the things you are doing during the week, you'll be surprised. There are rewards for this life and a life to come. Yeah. If you continue when you are 60, 70, you are still serving God. Aish, you'll be surprised. Some people serve God up to some point. When they get married, that's it. They can't do, they can't do again. They can't manage themselves. A married, they can't manage themselves. God doesn't, God wants you to be able to manage yourself well. And do, still do his things. You have a husband, but maintain your husband and maintain Jesus Christ. Maintenance. I just want to talk about. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It is not useless at all. You are playing drums. We don't pay the guy who pay the drums. The guy who does a keyboard, whatever. We don't pay them. We can't. If I pay, if you let me pay, you have lost your reward. You have lost your reward. Because I have given, I have paid you. What God will give to you, I have, you have allowed me to give it to you. Hey. Mm. What I saw. Yes. Amplified. Amplified on this verse. Let's amplify the verse. Oh, yeah. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord. More than enough. Knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. There's a day coming when the Lord himself will thank you. Wow. Yes, the Lord himself will call all those who work for him. You call them. Wow. And you say, thank you. I'm grateful. Wow. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Come and be Lord of our match. Come and Lord of our ten cities. He will thank everybody. That's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. We can read and amplify it. It's fine. First Corinthians 4 verse 5. It says, do, So do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again. For he will both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims, motives and purposes of hearts. Then every man will receive his due commendation from God. So the Lord will commend everybody. Some's commendation will be high. Some people's commendation will be low. Whatever it is, brother. Be blessed. 
I hope you get it. So you cannot say that, oh, uh, my fasting, my prayer, my service for the Lord really does not secure. It does. I've showed you some. But that is not what qualifies you to stand, have a right standing with God. Our right standing with God, dear, is because of Jesus and his work. As for that one, you cannot let, you can, nothing can let, let that happen. Okay? You want God to hear your prayer? It's not because of fasting and prayer that God hears you. God hears your prayer. God, you are qualified to stand before God because of Jesus' blood. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, not because of any other thing. Jesus made a way through his flesh, mm? through his body. What happened to him on the cross is what gives us access to God. Mm? Please, am I making sense or I'm not making sense to you? Hebrews chapter 9. Wow. Let's read from verse 24. He says, For Christ is not entered into the holy place. Let's read NLT. We want lighter versions, okay? For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. He went before God on our behalf. Next verse. For what purpose? And he did not enter into heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest over here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. That was what was happening in order for the people to be qualified. Next verse. If, he, if that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again. Every year I will have to have crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Someone will have to betray him. Maybe to be you or another person. Then there will be a pilot. To, he did it once. But he says, ever since the world began, if that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, once for what? He has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. Have you seen it? He removes sin by his sacrifice. Next verse. And just as each person is destined to die once after that comes judgment, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. Have you seen it? Then he says he will come again not to deal with our sins but to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait, who are eagerly awaiting waiting for him. So Jesus took our, what blocked us from entering and having a relationship with God was sin. Jesus came to come and remove that sin so that we can have access to God. So this is removal of sin. Access to God is in the next chapter. Oh, it's so nice. I don't know which one to even to even read for you. Let's read from a 6. NLT. He says, you were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. He's talking about how God was not pleased with the blood of animals and goats and all of that. Next verse. Then, then I said, so Christ is the one talking. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. Next verse. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifice or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. So even though they were required, God was not pleased with them because they only do one year. They, they pledge you for one year. Then he said, Lo, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second in effect. Are you saying it? No. Next verse. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. 
So Jesus sacrificed himself once for all time for the purpose of you being made holy. Hallelujah. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Next verse, verse 11. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifice again and again, which can never take away sins. Next verse, verse 12. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Have you seen it? Yeah. I thought you'd be happy about what I'm reading to you. Oh, it's so nice. Now, let's, let's read from verse 16. It's nice. I just want to read it to you. It's nice. I think you should see this one. It says, this is the new covenant I'll make with my people on that day, says the Lord, which has happened already yeah. through Christ. He says, I'll put my laws in your hearts and I'll write them on their minds. Next verse. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. You remember. God says, I don't remember your sins and your lawless deeds. Wow. Wow. Oh, kind Bible. That's a problem. <laughs> then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Next verse. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. That's why Jesus doesn't have to die every year. Because he has already offered, he's been offered for the sins of many already. I thought I was reading that to you and you, you understood it. He's been offered to handle sin already. He says, and when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. There's no need. Next verse. And so, dear brothers and sisters, because sin has been taken care of, it says, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood. Because of what? The blood of Jesus. So, you are, you are not entering the holy of... God is not hearing you because you have fasted 75 times, 75 days. What are you saying? Fast for 75 days, but not for the purpose of being accepted, being able to enter into like you have special audience, VIP or access, VVIP with God. Brother, we all have VVIP with God. We are all seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. We all have God's ears. Do you get it? The problem is that God does not have our ears. But all of us have his ears. So your fasting and prayer allows God to have access to your ears. Your fasting and prayer calms your flesh down. So that when God talks, you can hear. Because the things that are blocking you from hearing God there, I tell you, there are one million. Especially food. Especially food. Especially food. Food. Your issues. Your condemnation. The way you feel condemned because of some things that you have done or you are doing. That's what the problem is. That's why God wants you to live from the place of sanctification. To live from the place of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life makes you holy. So he's expecting to walk in so that you can, he can have your ears. So that when he talks, you can hear. There's something God is saying concerning your business that you are not hearing. You can't hear. Wow. In Yegu Asum, there are sticks in your ears. Banku Shishal Asum. There are Banku in your ears. God wants you to lose a meal or two. Not just, listen, not just to miss a meal or two, but miss a meal or two sitting on the word. Yes. Sitting on the word. 
waiting for light. Light is light is God speaking to us. Waiting for light to break forth. You need it. If you don't do that, and you don't need to do uh, uh, fasting because we announce it to you now. Nah, I don't know if I don't know if you are satisfied with your life now. Are you satisfied with your life now? If you are not satisfied with your life now, then you should, you should, nobody should tell you that you should spend some time fasting and praying without reading the Bible. Mm. Praying and worshiping God, ministering to the Lord. As they ministered to the Lord in Acts chapter 13, the Holy Ghost spoke to them. You want the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you need to minister to the Lord, fasting and praying. Acts chapter 13. Among the prophets and teachers, and so, verse 2. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were not worshiping the Lord and fasting and praying for something from the Lord. They were just hanging around God. They were worshiping and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. There's a special work that God has called you for, but you will not hear. You will not hear if you don't spend some time fasting and praying. Light will not come. Light will not. God spoke to me about this building. God spoke to me about this building. In 2018, God told me, you have, I have given you grace. You can build. You can build the structure. When we laid the foundation of this building, we didn't have money to finish it. Oh. We didn't know where money was going to come from. But because God has spoken to me, because I had spent time with God, and I had heard my ears was available to hear what he was saying, I could have confidence to do what God wanted me to do. That's how it works. Your business will not experience next levels if you are not doing what God. Your ears, you must allow God. As for God's ears, eh, all of us have access. Listen, we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are all, we are, we are together. As God is sitting here, you are sitting by Him. I tell you. So you talking to God, you can talk to God. But when God is talking to you, the things that are between, eish, eish, a lot of things. Because of the world in which you are. Yeah. That we are in the world of sin. Wow. Look at the problems here. Yeah. Yes. So many things. So many issues. One girl is preventing you from hearing God. Yeah. The, the question about... When someone asked the question yesterday. I saw it on the page. Will I have to leave my boyfriend when I come to church? Your boy, you see, you are there's something. That's a problem. Sit down for two minutes. You are not understanding a lot of things. You may not know that your sexual activity is like uh, putting timbers in your ears. You are putting timber. What God says he doesn't like, that's what you say you like. Uh, God says, I don't like this thing. God says, flee. God says, listen, by this, your sanctification. What is wrong with you? That's why you need more light. You need more light. So that you can move from where you are gradually. Or else you'll be 70 and you've not done what God wants you to do. Now, doing what God wants, it has nothing to do with money. Sit down. It has nothing to do with money. Is it you can be fornicating, committing adultery, whatever, you prosper in this world. There are many people like that. You have more money to do more foolish things. But it's not about that. What will the one who created you say at the end of the day? When you stand before him, what is he going to say to you? That's, a, that's what the problem is. If it was only the devil, because, I mean, the devil, the devil can allow you to enjoy. Exactly. He, the purpose of prospering is to kill you. Have you watched the chicken, what's it called? There's a, there's a movie. Cartoons. Not current chicken, it cannot be current. 
Oh. Chicken run, I think. Chicken run. There's a new one recent. Yes. Ah, chicken run, yeah. When they are feeding the chicken, eh? It's for something. It's for you to become bigger and bigger and bigger. So that they can enjoy your flesh when the time comes. So I've been doing all these things, nothing is happening to me. Don't worry. You are being fattened for a, a set time. Christmas is coming. Easter is coming. I hope I've answered your question. <laughs> Hallelujah. Any other question? I just realized I'm doing questions. I should be quiet. Yes. Thank you, Daddy, for the yeah. opportunity. Please, um, it's about the issue of wearing trousers. Um, I don't know, but I've been hearing that he said trousers. Um, it's not right for women to wear trousers because they are garments of male. They are garments of what? Of males. Of males. Yes, they are men's wear. But then, um, from the movies that I've watched of Jesus and those things, they wear dresses. They don't wear, and if they wear, maybe they'll wrap something so it's like a skirt. But then, now they are saying trousers are for men. So I, I, I. Yes. Yes. Honestly, honestly, all that I've been saying has to do with this particular, all these things. You see, there were things the law said and the law demanded. One of the things the law demanded was that a woman should not wear the dress of a man. Okay? Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, NLT. A woman must not put on men's clothing, and a man must not wear men's, women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. Now, this is the law. And uh, you don't understand. That's what I've been preaching all this while. Uh, doing things like this is what makes me accept it. This is what makes me accept it. Why, why are you wearing this? Because you are wearing this, you are not qualified before God. That is the problem I've been talking about since I began. So what the question you just asked me is, is under the law. The, so the simple answer is that is the law. Jesus has come to pay. Fulfilled all these things and paid the price. You can't wear, if you want to wear baggy, whatever, Charlie, whatever you want to wear, wear it. So that, that's a simple answer. But let me give you the complex answer. The complex answer is that um, there was a reason why God said this. You see, in the Old Testament, when a woman, when a woman is in a menses, she's supposed to be kept outside the camp for some time because she's defiled. Okay? She's defiled. Do you understand? Because of the issue of blood. Do you remember the woman who was bleeding for 12 years in the New Testament? She couldn't come into public. And anyone who touches her is unclean. And anyone who she touches is unclean. How much more wear someone wearing her clothing? If you wear her clothing, you are super unclean. (laughs) Under the law. That's under the law. All that I'm saying is under the law. Okay? Leviticus 15, 19. Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Anyone who touches her during that time will be unclean until evening. (laughs) You touch her, you're unclean until the evening. So this will... This should also apply now. Because when your wife is in her menses, you touch her. You're unclean to the, to the evening, brother. And then and the ladies will have to announce to us when they are coming. Unclean, 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 unclean. My, just unclean. 
hey, hey, touch me now, unclean. Don't touch me. And we all know why you're unclean. These are laws that we, we cannot keep. We cannot what? We cannot keep. Jesus knows. That's why he came to come and die. Yes, it was for that time. Yes, and the, the reason the reason for it, okay, it says, wherefore then sever the law. It was given because of transgressions. And that's in Galatians. It's showing you why the law is given. The law strengthens sin. First Corinthians chapter 15. <laughs> I don't know, but the more you keep these things in your mind, the more errors you are going to have. First Corinthians 15, I think, uh, verse... 56, 56. First Corinthians 15 says, It says, For sin is, sin is a thing that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. The purpose of the law is to give sin power. The more you try to keep the law, the more you give sin power by your life. Wow. You want sin to have power by your life? Do you want sin to have power by your life? If you want sin to have power by your life, then start living your life by do's and don'ts. As the Lord, the Lord said, the Lord gave a commandment, but he says the reason for the commandment was to strengthen sin. That's the reason for the law. God gave the law so that it can, it can make man know that he's a sinner. So it magnifies sin in their lives. Hmm? There's one in Galatians as well. Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. It says, why then was the law given? Why? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Have you seen it? I don't know why Jesus says he has dealt with it. He has set it aside. And you still want to continue. You want to continue along that. I honestly, I, muntum, muntum, muntum. I don't understand. <laughs> he says, but the law was designed to last only unto the coming of the child who was promised. Who is that? Jesus Christ. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the, the mediator between God and the people. It was given unto the, for the... And to be done with when Christ comes. Christ has come and gone. I don't know why you still want to follow the law. That's what Paul, Paul preached that his whole life. And that was what he was beating for. He was beating because he kept saying to the Jews that, Brother, what you are doing is not correct. Oh. It's not correct. You people are seeking to know God. You have a knowledge of God. Romans chapter 10, verse, verse 1. Look at Romans 10, 1. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God for, uh, is for the people of Israel to be saved. Verse 2. I know what enthusiasm they have for God. But it is misdirected zeal. It's what? Misdirected zeal. Why? Next verse. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. They don't understand it. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. This is the problem. Simple. So I don't know why you want to be accepted. Trouser, because, because of trouser, you are now accepted before, before you can be in the house of God. What are you talking about? Trouser. What did Jesus say? Do I change trouser for it? Oh, sister. By the way, like you said, Jesus was wearing skirts. When he came, yes. The, the high priest wore skirts. It's in the Bible. The high priest wore skirts. Aaron wore skirts. Uh, uh, Samuel wore skirts. When Samuel was going, when Saul, Saul did the wrong thing, Samuel had come to prophesy and was going. Saul held the skirt. When he held the skirt, the skirt got torn. Yes. What is skirt? No. David, David cut the skirts of Saul. The guys were all wearing skirts, so all of us should be wearing skirts. These are just, it's just, it's just uh, the fashion of the time. There was a time when it came, trousers came at a certain time. 
at a certain time. And it was way after the law. After, way after the, the, the law. Christ, Jesus came and went and everybody. It's way after that. So I don't know why you have decided this is men's clothing. And this is women's clothing. Do you understand? If there's anything you should be worried about, it's in First Timothy chapter 2. But Alex, do you remember that scripture? Uh-huh, this one. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 9. I want women to be modest in their appearance. Okay. I want women to be what? Modest. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or, or pearls or expensive clothing. Let's read uh, 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 easy English. Let's take it easy. There's another one in Titus. Titus 2 3, yes. Ah. Uh-huh. Is English. Also, I want the women to wear proper clothes. Yes. Women should wear clothes that do not show their bodies too much. Hey. If there's a problem, this is where the problem is. This is what you should be concerned. Not trouser. So the trouser you are wearing, if a tra- it's a trouser that's making your buttocks look like two Nigerian coconuts, and that's your camera just clashing like that. That's, that's the problem. Hey. Ah. Hey. 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 A woman, a woman, if you are wearing something like, don't worry, you are not the reason why I'm talking about, I'm talking about this. I'm just saying, it's a question. We are in church. Uh, we can't do that. A woman should not wear clothes that cause other people to be ashamed about her. Mm. Like what you have worn, we can't come. We don't know how to take the picture with you. Your Shabbat is up to this side. Shale, muntum. Muntum. You understand muntum? I can't. That's fancy way of saying I can't. Muntum. <laughs> but I hope you understand. Have I answered you? So please, that's another law. The law has been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law and he abolished. He set it aside. Let me show you that one. Ephesians chapter 2. The fact that Jesus fulfilled the law and set it aside. Ephesians 2. Let's read from verse 11. What a blessing. Do you like the Bible? Yes. Everything is in there. So nice. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. That's the dogs, remember? Who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Hmm. Next day, that's 12. Everybody needed help. Look, Jesus came to give everybody help. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Yes. Next verse. But now. Say, but now. But now. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. What a blessing. You have been brought near. And I told you how, how near we are. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you get it? And the blood of Jesus is what accomplished that. So you should rather spend your life and your days appreciating Jesus for what he has done for you on the cross of Calvary. The power of his blood. Rather than looking at other things. Next verse. Rather than looking at whether your trouser is good enough to, for you to sit in Christ with it. <laughs> for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when he went in his own body on the cross. That's, this is what the cross did. On the cross, he united both Jew and Gentile to have peace with God. 
For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. What wall of hostility was that? Next verse. He did this by ending the system of law. By what? I don't know why you want to live under the law. When Jesus ended it, Jesus came to fulfill it, fulfill the law. Jesus, you see, Jesus did not destroy the law. He fulfilled it because the law is from God. So he fulfilled the law and then he set it aside. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. That's what he did. He ended the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from the two groups. Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. That is why you should spend all your days looking at Jesus and what he has done. You did all this for me? Like you, will you survive another law? Will you survive? The number of sheep you have to offer, eh? the number of what sheep you have to offer for your sins. You, especially you. You cannot. You cannot. All the ladies you touch when they are in their menses that you don't know about. You don't know they are, they are in their menses. And then, Charlie, what's up? I don't know. You never know. Well, that's one till evening. One sheep, you have to offer one sheep till evening. I tell you, all of us will be farmers. Everybody has to have sheep, plenty sheep, so that you can offer, 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 offer. And I'll be, I'll be also, I'll also be very tired. I have to slaughter sheep every day. Eh, who's coming? Who's next? The Bible says that the, the priest of the Old Testament could not sit down, he could not sit down because the work was never finished. But Christ sat down. After offering himself once and for all, he's now seated. I don't know what is your problem. Spend your days worshiping him, thanking him. He did all that so that he can, you can feel free to love him. That's the reason he did it for love or don't hear. Hey, don't hear. don't hear. Do you know that song? Hey, people, you were born in 2001. I don't know. 2005. Yes. Look at that in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12. I read it not long ago. It says, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Good for all time. All the sheep you are supposed to sacrifice. Jesus offered himself. Then he sat down in the place of Anna at God's right hand. He offered himself and sat down. So all your sins have been paid for. Past, present, future. Because when Jesus died, you were not born. All your sins were in the future already. Oh? Were you born when Jesus died? So all your sins were where? In the future. So when I say he died for your sins, past, present, and future, I don't know why you are. Hey, what is the man saying? Wait. So Paul says, Shall we continue then to sin so that grace may abound? He says, You don't, you don't have much wisdom. Yes. There's a reason why he died for your sins. He died to take away sins. To bring us close to God so we can have fellowship with God. You understand? And fellowship with God and love, a love relationship with God is what leads to your fruitfulness. I, you cannot impregnate a lady by passing your hand around her. Are you pregnant? No, Pastor. <laughs> How about you? No, Pastor. Are you not pregnant? Oh, no. <laughs> you cannot impregnate somebody by touches. You need to go deep. Deeper. <laughs> 
Listen. Deep collect unto deep. There's no way. Hold on. I said all that for a purpose. I'm not coming to the reason why I said that. The, the, your life bearing fruits is dependent on how intimate you are with God. A touch from God will not do much. A rub on your head will not do much. It is your intimacy with him that will cause you to produce fruits. Your greatest fruits, you become pregnant if you get close to God. Proper. All the challenges will just vanish. You get deep, deeper into him. He didn't save you and take away sin for you to have freedom to fool around. He saved you, took away sin for you to have intimacy with him. Because that's where your fruitfulness lie. That's where your fruitfulness lie. That one million dollars you are looking for, it can show up in, a, in an instant. You think God can tell anybody to give you a million dollars right now. Oh yeah. But he knows what you will do with it if he should give it to you. He knows what you will do with it. He knows what you will do. You will paint the whole of Legon red. He knows it. I don't know if you get it. Vows the beckons. Bowser is what? Beckon. Bowser is just around the corner. He knows, he knows what you Red do. Lamp. Red Lamp Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So that's the reason. Mm? It's for the purpose of having intimacy with God. So all the things I'm talking about, uh, Jesus did all of that so that you can be close to God and have intimacy with Him for your life to produce the fruits that God had designed before the foundations of the earth. Yes. That's why. Then it's a complete distraction. Yes, my brother. All right. So, you know, when Jesus talks about not worrying about, um, I think, I, I, let me just read it. Let me just read it. Um, this is from Matthew chapter 6, um, verse 26 to 28 to 30. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will you not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm. And, you know, typically I, I find it difficult to reconcile this with having to plan ahead. And, um, you know... Um, put things in place so that certain things will work because then the Bible is telling you not to worry about them God is going to take care of it and but worry is different from planning oh. worry and planning they don't fall in the same category mm. Jesus said which one of you attempting to build a house will not first sit down and plan and count the cost so there's nothing wrong Jesus says how many of you going for a walk and you notice that your enemy is coming with 10,000 people and you have 500 people. You have to send peace. It's okay. All that I said, I'm sorry. But it should be a total wipeout. Wipe you get it? 
Luke 14, 20. I want peace not to work. But don't begin until you count the cost. Go, go back, please. Verse 27. It says, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Uh-huh. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there is, there is the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish, finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? You see, he's talking about planning. Next verse. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. I want peace. I don't want war. Next verse. Verse 33. So you, can, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. So you're talking about making some decisions to follow him. And he used, plan, he used planning to compare with it. Do you get it? So there's nothing wrong with planning. We have plans for the year. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11. This is how you plan. Okay? For I know the plans I have for you. So God has a plan for you. Says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. So God has already has a plan. The plans you are trying to make. God already has it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Look at Ephesians 2 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So there are things that he has already planned for you long ago. There's a document concerning your life already. Now what you need to do is to see the document. Many of the plans and the thoughts in a man's heart. But it is the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Show us that verse. God has a counsel. God has plans for your life. Your job is to peep into his plans so that you know what his plans are so that you can plan along that same line. It's as simple as that. So God has not hit plans. Proverbs 19, 21. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So the problem is that normally we will, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this, as though you are Jesus, as though you are God. You can't... You can't do that. That is what leads to worrying. Because when you check what you have planned and what you are supposed to get to get the plan accomplished, it doesn't flash. And flashing wash it. It doesn't flash. That's what the problem is. But when you pick, you have you get a peek into God's plans for you. And God is not stingy with it. He will show it to you if you seek it. If you, if you ask him for it. If you ask him for it, he will give you. He will show you. I want you to do this. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Do you see? Huh. So that's your job. No, don't worry. That's your, your job is to seek what he has planned for your life. And when you see, and God shows it to you in faces. God does not show everything to you, you don't believe it. Yet you need faith to work with God. It is impossible to please God without, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you need faith in order to be able to work with God. So God doesn't show you everything. When God, God took Israel out of Egypt, he didn't show them the problems that are going to happen on the road. If he had showed them... It's okay. <laughs> Even if he has showed them the end, that they'll be in a land, and he did, he showed them the end that you'll be, you are going to a land full of milk and honey and all of that, but he didn't show them the details, day one, day two, he didn't. Because if he had shown it to them, they would not, they would have all died, they would say, we'll die here, it's fine. You get it. So God shows it to you in faces, so that you can also seek him. He wants a relationship with you. Yeah. That's what he wants. 
Do you see? Your father, I, I've not told my son all the plans I have for him. I've not, I've not, uh, by the time you have this, I, I want, I, you may not know, as we are going, it's pay as you go, as we go, then we just, we're just sorting it out, okay? So one of the things you need to do is to seek God, seek God concerning his plans for your life. And he'll give you sneak peeks. Sometimes a vision will come to you, sometimes a dream will come to you, sometimes you receive a word. That's why fasting and prayer is important. You need, oh yes. I'm sorry, baby. Yes. Fasting and prayer is important, so that you will know, you have light concerning what God wants you to do. And it is what God has said that will be sponsored. When God gives the vision, he brings the provision. If he's not giving the vision, provision is not going to come. So most of us attempt things that God has not told us to do. And it doesn't work. People ask me questions. How how do you do this? How do you do that? I just take a sneak peek into what God wants for me. I just check. If this is on his calendar for me, hey, we are going to do it. And there will be provision for it. Okay? You said you had a follow-up question. Okay, what's it? It's about humility. Right? Okay. So, um, oftentimes the Bible refers to humility as taking the lowly position. And it gives the impression that to be ambitious and to, to seek high achievements is something that um, is not for Christians. And that there's this verse that talks about when you go to a rich man's banquet, you sit at the back or at the, in the lowly position and then he, he, he sends you to the front or where the VIP seats, yeah. put it that way, right? So it, it gives the impression um, Christians... No, that does not give the impression that a Christian should always be like this. No. Humility has nothing to do with achieving big things. God wants to achieve big things more than you. We are God's finest poem. We are... I just read it, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. There's nothing God has created that is not nice. That is not, that does not catch attention. That is not exceptional. Look at the skies. Have you sat in a plane before? If you haven't received, sit in a plane in Jesus' name. When you sit in a plane, okay, and you look down, you realize that, hey, God is powerful. You see clouds with you, clouds above you. There's a vast expanse that keeps going and going and going. God did all of that. Look at the sun. Look at the sea. I mean, how can you understand the sea? And, and God says, you cannot cross this border. God told the sea, okay, brother, you can't cross this border. So the sea will come with waves. And then to go back. See how great the sea is. See how great all the things that God has created are very great and very mysterious. And he says, out of all the things that God has created, you are his finest. You and I are his, you are, we are his highest of creation. So God does not want you to be an underachiever. Humility has nothing to do with achieving or not achieving. Humility has everything to do with listening to what God has to say. You get it? Hmm. Listening to what God has to say. Following what God says to do. Don't become so big that now when we say something, when God says something to you, it doesn't do anything to you. That is pride. And pride is the biggest poison to success. The greatest poison to success, the success of a Christian, is pride. Pride kills faster than cancer. Pride killed Herod in an instant. Herod was speaking one day, and an angel spoke as he spoke. And then the people said, hey, an angel spoke. 
And he said, yeah, it's me. I spoke and then they, whatever. That was my voice. Right then, then the angel slapped him. And he died instantly. Uh, go back. Go back to verse 20. This Acts 12, 20. Now Herod was very angry with Herod's personal assistant. Then verse 21. An appointment, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a God, not of a man. As we're giving him fans, give yourself fans, yo, yo, more fans, yo, 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 less fans, yo. And then he said, <laughs> he, he took, he took it. He's like, it's me. He's like, hey. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck him. He slapped him with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. This is a problem. But people, you will not be tempted with pride if you are not big. Oh? You will not be tempted with pride if you are not what? If you are not big. You will never have a problem with pride along a certain line. There are different sides of pride. But you never have pride on this level if you are not great. The angel was expecting him to give worship to God. So it's God. It cannot be me. But he said, it's me. They slapped him. That was it. He says, um, so he was consumed with worms and died. Immediately or instantly, he was consumed with. So pride kills faster than cancer. Pride changes your DNA. Pride changes your DNA. Nebuchadnezzar, who was the greatest, the king of all the realms of the world. So he, he was a great guy. You get it? He was a great guy. He was the king of all the realms. One day he stood up and walked on his terrace. He had a terrace on his seventh floor apartment. Just walking around, just checking out his things. Ah, look at me. Me by my power. 12 months later, this is Daniel chapter 4, verse 29. 12 months later, he was talking, taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. He was on the terrace. So, terrace is in the Bible. You are not the one doing your first terrace. Terrace is in the Bible. He was walking on the terrace. And as he looked out across the city, he looked, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Yes, by his own mighty power. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be... You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. And you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way. Until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Next verse. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled. And the book of Nezah was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow and was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bear's claws. Seven years. He was an animal. His DNA was changed from human to cow. Instantly. Because of pride. But pride on this level only shows up when you are great. Vashti mm-hmm. lost a place because she was very high. So humility, there's a place, you know. Like don't feel so it's like so important. The party Jesus was talking about was have you feeling that you are so important that you deserve the first place. So when you come, nah, you take the cheapest place. Maybe someone greater is coming. It is humility to sit in a lower place. So that if you are the greatest, the one who invited you will come and say, Oh brah. Please come for. He says you will have Anna before everybody. As you are moving from the back, and you are coming like that. 
everybody will know that, hey, Charlie, this man is a very, is a very great man. Do you understand? Uh-huh. So, humility does not mean that we shouldn't be rich, influential, powerful. No. God wants us to be rich, influential, and powerful in order to be able to help his kingdom to go forward. If you are not rich, powerful, we can't do a lot of things. We can't do a lot of things. If we are all poor, it's going to be a problem. That's why we teach you how to prosper in the house of the Lord. Yet, you must be humble. I went to Yongichu's church last two years. Was it last year or last year? Last two years. Last two years. Last year I was there, and the ushers in the church are all millionaires. All the ushers are dollar millionaires. These are people, some own $900 million, $800 million, and they are all ushers. If you see the cars they are using, you have not seen the cars. There's no car, there's, not, there's none in the, in, in, in the world. The cars they are using, very high. Very simple people. You come, you come they, buy, they bow down to you. Please, you can come in. Come. You know, Korea, they all do that. So, oh, yes, yes. Then, you need any help, they'll help you. These are big time heads of corporations who are below, some are billionaires, some are millionaires. And they are all serving nicely in the house of God. Yes, that's humility. That's humility. Humility starts, you, 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 you may not be humble. We may not see your level of humility until you prosper. Your pride will be hiding in the shadows. Money is an amplifier. It amplifies who you really are. If you're a crazy guy, money will make you, it will come up. Make you crazier. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, my question is, is about um, the book of Second Peter. Chapter okay. 3 verse 12. Okay. Now, as he was, I was, I was, as I was reading the verse, he says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. So, um, for the next verse, please, can you? Um, I, I really don't understand if the new heaven and the new earth is it that this world will be destroyed or I don't. Yeah, know. that's what the Bible says. You may not believe it, but that's what is going to happen. So, so that mean, doesn't mean that um, everything will be destroyed, like, like, emphatically, yes. <laughs> Like, like, meaning what I what I want to mean is that let's say that um, another uh, throne would come. Let's another say, what? Like, let's say that another um, planet. Planet, maybe. Let's say that God can the do earth will be there. Then another. He says this people. earth is in these verses. This earth will be ruled. The heavens will be ruled like carpets. The earth will be destroyed. All the elements will be set on fire. Everything is the truth is going to happen. And at the beginning of this verse, Peter writes that some people doubt that it's going to happen. Just as they doubt every other thing, they also doubt. That's verse one. This is my second letter to you, dear my dear friend. Dear friends, and in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. Verse 2. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come. We are here. Scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. Next verse. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? That's what they will say. They say Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. If you are sitting on Abu Boya, he will be here by now. You are in the Bible, brother. From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Then he goes to the next verse. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his mouth, his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. 
Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Do you remember? Noah's time. Noah's time, God cleared everybody. Cleared everybody. You may not believe it because you were not there. But it's up to you. God says something happened. You, you came 25 years ago. You say it didn't happen. <laughs> and by the same word, he says, by the same word of God, the present heavens, this one that we are in, and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the days of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. God will destroy everything. This earth will be crushed. The whole earth will explode. It will, be, it will, be, it will vanish. And the Lord will make a new one and put his people in that new one. That's what it's, it's all over. It's not only Peter who said it. It's in Revelations. Jude. Jude mentions Jude 1. Jude mentions it as well. Paul also mentions it. And by the same word, destroyed. Next verse, verse 8. But you must not forget this, this one thing. Dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise. It's not that he's slow, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as, a, as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly life you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. Some people don't believe this. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. If you want to see the ones in Revelations, I can show it to you as well. Revelation 21 verse 1. Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is another writer. This is John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. No, doesn't mean that the rapture would take place before the... Uh, the Way earth. before that. Oh, rapture there is a long time. Okay. Yes. Yeah, there's a major recommendation. Um, eschatology, right? It's on podcast. Yes. Eschatology. So during the COVID, I did that, right? Everybody was afraid Jesus was coming. <laughs> So we have to talk about the fact that Jesus is coming. He's coming for his children. It's not for any other person. When Jesus, if you are born, the qualification for rapture is born again. If you are born again, you are you are going. Yes, by the grace of God. You see, huh. but when you are raptured, they arrived. They arrived, uh, mature sons and all mature sons. They are what? Mature sons and all. if you are a Christian, you decide not to mature. God will not allow you to do some things. There are things that you'll be left out of. Okay? You'll not be allowed to attend the wedding. You can't marry. Can you marry a two-year-old? It's not illegal. Isn't it? You have to be 18 years and above to be married. Yeah, so a Christian who is two years in the spirit. Not two years born again. Or two years in the spirit. You, you, are, you have not grown. You are two years in the spirit. You are not allowed to be married to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything that is going on is about marriage. We are born again to be married to our master and savior Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. So there's a marriage of the lamb that is going to happen. Then there's a marriage supper of the lamb that is going to happen. There's a marriage, there's a reception, and then there's honeymoon. The honeymoon is 1,000 years. If you are not matured, you'll not be allowed in the wedding. You'll not be allowed in the reception. You'll not be allowed in the honeymoon. You're out. It's all over in the Bible. I preach it. So it's in your own interest to mature. I don't know if you're interested in marrying our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm interested in the, the, the 
the reception. The reception is for, is for seven years. Reception is for seven years. Seven years of enjoyment. Just imagine that you are doing reception, you are seeing that they are doing reception, you are not allowed there. Hey. It's wild. Then after the reception, the honeymoon, the honeymoon is on earth. The Lord will come with the saints. That's Revelation chapter 19, verse 14. Let's read 13 so we can understand it. 11. Let's read 11. It's 14, but let's read from it. It says, Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. His rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. He's talking about Jesus. Okay? Next verse. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. Verse 13. Then it says, He wore a robe dipped in blood because he's coming for judgment. He's coming to judge the world. And his title was the word of God. Who is the word of God? Jesus. Next verse. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white lining followed him on white horses. That's his wife, his bride. Go to verse 9. Revelation 19, verse 9. Verse 7, sorry. Verse 7. Eba, 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 Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. Have you seen it? And his bride has prepared herself. Verse 8. She has been given the finest of pure white lining to wear. For the fine lining represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? These people who are married to the Lord and attend the wedding are the same people he's coming with. Following him in the army. So God is training us to be part of his army that he comes to come and fight the Antichrist and all those people with and establish a 1,000 year reign here on earth. The 1,000 year reign here on earth is his honeymoon. 1,000 years honeymoon with us who are his children. Please, you understand? So I don't know about you, but I'm interested in maturing in the Lord. I want to be part of the bride. Yes. We are, you see, we. <laughs> A bride is for a day. A wife is forever. Mm. There's a day we'll be married to him. Yes. From that day, we'll be with him throughout. Yes. So that's going to come. But this war, so after, it's after all this, after the kingdom is just 1,000 years, there'll be a lot of things that will happen. There'll be another war called the war of Gog and Magog. Satan will be bound, Satan will be bound for 1,000 years during Jesus' honeymoon on earth. 1,000 years. And we will rule and reign with Jesus for 1,000 years. That's in Revelation chapter 20. Okay? So just, just go and listen to that message on podcast, okay? But I hope I've helped you a bit. This world, this heaven and earth is reserved to be destroyed by fire. The old world, Noah's world, was destroyed with water, isn't it? This world is going to be destroyed with fire. When you put water and the fire together, it forms a lake of fire. So, the lake of fire, okay, is a final resting place of those ungodly who are judged in the water and those ungodly who are, who are going to be judged in the fire. So, the two of them, it will be mixed and then they will be inside. So, the final resting place is not hell. Hell is not the final resting place. Hell is a reception. Revelation, it's in the Bible, I'm not the one saying it. Revelation 20 verse 12, 13 and 14. Look at Revelation 22. Oh, okay. It's fine. You showed us verse 14. It's fine. Go to it. We don't want to do it. says, Then death and grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Have you seen it? Death and what? The grave. Hell will empty itself. Hell will empty itself with all, all the people who are in hell. Hell will empty it. 
Then the sea will also empty all the contents. It's contents. It says the sea gave up its dead. The sea will give up its dead. Okay, there are people who are locked up in the recesses of the sea. They are not in hell. They are locked up in the recesses of the sea. They will be given out. And death and grave gave up their dead. So death and grave, death will give up his dead. The grave will give up his dead. King James, King James will say it. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell. Aha. Uh-huh. He calls grave hell. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Then everybody who was judged, that's the final judgment. It's called the white throne judgment. After that judgment, the final resting place is the lake of fire. And in the new world, the lake of fire will be around. That will be our lake that we'll see. So you see what is, what is going on in there forever and ever. I tell you. It may sound like stories, but it's going to happen. Just as someone's death is like a story. A prophet, prophet, oh, something will happen. It's like a story. A story. You'll be surprised. Before long, you are gone. All the things look like stories until they happen. So it will happen. Believe it. If you're a child of God, you should believe in these things. It will happen. It will happen. But you are exempted from it. If you don't accept that Jesus has been judged for sin. It's called the judgment of sin. If you don't accept that Jesus has been judged for sin, and you want to pay for your sins yourself, you will get to this place. You will get to this white throne judgment. If you accept that Jesus has died for your sin, and that Jesus has been judged for sin, you have no business here. Your judgment is different from this one. It's called your judgment is called the judgment for rewards. We are judged for commendation. That's it's called the bema seat judgment. Rather upon your feet and let's go home. Hallelujah. Have you enjoyed yourself? I want us to thank God for what a lot a lot has been shared today, right? As the author is always the best because a lot of things is addressed at the same time. So in the next two minutes, I just want you to thank God. Thank God for all that he has shared with you. Thank God for, I don't know if you received some light as we were preaching. Thank God for the light that God has given you. When you celebrate God for light, more comes. Thank God for the light that he has given to you. Father, we are grateful. Don't keep quiet. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Just two minutes. Just thank God. Can you sing a song for us? Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Just a minute more. Just a minute more. Thank him. Thank him. All that you are sharing.
church, just lift up your hands and just thank him. Yes, Father, we are grateful. I want you to ask God for a deeper relationship with him. Ask God to give you a desire for a deeper relationship with him right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. He saved you, removed sin, made you righteous so that he can have a deep relationship with you. Ask him to help you. To grant you a great desire for him, for the Lord. Not for things, but for him. In a minute. Less than a minute. Just ask him. for you. I pray that the Lord himself will bring you into a deeper relationship with him. Deeper fellowship with him. One of the blessings of getting deep with God is that his attributes starts rubbing up on you. His personality starts rubbing up on you. And he starts showing you his secrets. That's another attribute, another thing that happens. He starts showing you his secrets. I pray that the Lord will start opening you up to things you never thought you knew. Things you never knew. Things you never knew, things you never knew, concerning every aspect of your life, concerning your business, concerning your future, concerning your future. I'm seeing someone here who has been worried about your future. You've been you've been thinking, will I get a job? I just left school, will I get a job? The Lord knows all those things. The Lord will show you his secrets. He will show you his secrets. The confusion is leaving your life in the name of the Lord Jesus. Leaving your life. A deeper relationship with the Lord. The Lord is granting it to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Deeper, 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 deeper with Him. Yes, deeper with Him. Is taking you deeper. Is the Lord holding your hands? Taking you deeper. Taking you deeper. 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 Now, you may be here and you've not given your life to Christ. Listen, there's a judgment waiting for you. It's called the judgment of the white throne. You can, nobody can save you at that time. This is the time that Jesus has made salvation available. God has made salvation available through Jesus Christ. You are here, you've never given your life to Christ. You are not sure what will happen to you if you should leave this earth. You don't know where your life is going to be. The Bible says that we are not of those who do not have hope. We have hope. Those of us who are born again have hope. We know that when we die or when we leave this earth, absent in body is we present with the Lord. When we are absent in body, we know that the next thing is that we are present with the Lord. Nothing else is going to be in between us and God. You are here. You don't know what's going to happen to you if you should fall dead today. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to begin a new life with Jesus, a new step with Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity. Very simple. The Bible says that if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
and you believe that he died on the cross of Calvary for you, you shall be saved. That's what it means. And the Bible says that when you believe, you should speak it out of your mouth. So I want to lead you to speak the outward one. But I want you to believe with your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe in the fact that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary for you, not for a generic group, but for you specifically. So that he can take away your sin, remove you away from sin, and remove you away from eternal damnation. If you believe that, then you can say the words that I'm going to say after, after me. So I want you to close your eyes now, and I want you to say these words after me. Believe with all of your heart. Say, thank you, God, for sending Jesus to come and die for me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to take away my sin. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day for my righteousness. Because I believe with my heart and declare with my mouth, I am born again. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to wash me from my sins in his blood. I believe that I'm a child of God today. I receive eternal life into my spirit and I receive the Holy Spirit into my spirit. I declare boldly that I'm saved and I'm for the Lord. Devil, you have no place in my life. I've been taken from your kingdom into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'm born again and I'm secured forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations. Are you clapping? What a blessing. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.